Just kidding. Last week on Undead Airlock. Madam President, you have to make a decision. I, I can't. It's too much. Don't you understand? The pressure is too much. Listen to me. If you don't do this, probably lots of other blogs and platforms will anyway. And well, it won't really matter that much. Hey, come on, man. But your listeners need you. I need you. All four of us are counting on you to sum up the best horror of 2017. But... I'm just one person. All right, all right, I'll do it. Mr. Secretary, bring me my microphone. Oh, and a snack if you're headed toward the kitchen? What are the best horror TV shows, comics, and podcasts of 2017? Will Undead Airlock listeners think this was even remotely funny? Is Hannah still sick? Stay tuned for the thrilling conclusion of Undead Airlock. Ha! That was great. Hey everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Undead Airlock, a weekly podcast dedicated to the evaluation, discussion, and overall love of all things horror. I'm your host, Hannah Selector, and let's have a hearty round of applause for our brilliant guest voice actors. Thank you, Chad and Jason, for indulging me in that little bit of terrible comedy. Big news, I'm no longer sick. I took a week and rested and am feeling much better now. Unfortunately, you will still have to deal with sick Hannah as this episode was sliced in half last week. You'll remember we left off discussing the best horror games of 2017, concluding our standalone section of the best of 2017 episode. So, without further ado, I will throw you back to sick Hannah and leave you in her capable, if not a bit germy, hands. Enjoy the show! That brings us out of the standalone section of our show for today. Now we're into stuff that is serialized, which means that the things on this list may be something that began in 2017 or something that's been going on and continues on into 2017. We're going to start with television shows. These shows are either streaming online or happening on television channels. I've included both. Some stuff that's on Netflix or Hulu exclusively or stuff that's on, you know, AMC or Fox or whatever exclusively. So it's up to you guys to find this stuff, but know that I genuinely think all of these are super enjoyable and you should be watching them. Television show number one, to no one's shock, The Strain, uh, which unfortunately, or well, fortunately because you wouldn't want a beloved show to drag on, ended in 2017, September of this year. The Strain is a high-concept thriller that tells the story of Dr. Ephraim Goodweather, the head of the Center for Disease Control Canary Team in New York City. He and his team are called upon to investigate a mysterious viral outbreak with hallmarks of an ancient and evil strain of vampirism. As the strain spreads, F and his team and an assembly of everyday New Yorkers wage war for the fate of humanity itself. You guys know I love the strain. I've talked about that several times before. I read the books. I loved the show. Solid actors, solid characters, really cool concept. The creatures look great, and um, I think the show is just absolutely worth a watch, even if you're not a super horror fan like I am. Show number two, Castlevania, which was a Netflix exclusive that I was really excited about when it finally came out. I watched it in a single day, and not just because there's only a few episodes. Be warned, this series is just getting started. I think there's only three episodes out, maybe four. Um, It's just the beginning of the story, but it really pulls you in. The animation is really, really pretty and (laughs) well-designed. 
maybe that's a weird word to be applying to some of the frankly very gory stuff that happens, but I really enjoyed watching the animation. So the basic premise, a down-on-his-luck vampire hunter fights to save a besieged city from an army of undead beasts controlled by Dracula himself. A show inspired by the classic video game. Of course, we all loved Castlevania. Castlevania, the animated series, follows Trevor Belmont, who uh, game fans will remember as the main protagonist of Castlevania III, Dracula's Curse. So give Castlevania a watch. It's up on Netflix and there for you to enjoy whenever you please. Show number three, Inside Number Nine. As you'll remember from earlier in the show, I love a good British show. I love a good British movie. I love a good British anything, um, except maybe Meal. Inside Number Nine is a British dark comedy anthology that first aired in 2014, but continues into 2017. It's written by Reese Shearsmith and Steve Pemberton and produced by the BBC. Each half-hour episode is a self-contained story with new characters and a new setting, and all star at least one, usually both, of Pemberton and Shearsmith. Each episode has a new cast, allowing Inside Number 9 to attract a number of well-known actors. The stories are linked only by the fact that each takes place at a number 9, with settings including a suburban house, a gothic mansion, and a haunted barn. Season 3 premiered in 2017. It ended in March. They have a planned fourth season. If you can tell from the description, this is an episodic sort of spooky comedy anthology series, and I think you guys will really enjoy it. Because it's episodic and something different happens every time, it's really hard for me to put a specific descriptor on it, but know that it's creepy, fun British humor, and that I think you guys should definitely give it a watch this year. Show number four, Channel Zero. Inspired by Brian Russell's creepypasta tale, Channel Zero, No End House tells the story of a young woman named Margot Sleater who visits the No End House, a bizarre house of horrors that consists of a series of increasingly disturbing rooms. When she returns home, Margot realizes everything has changed. So this is Channel Zero's second season, um, in case you couldn't tell. Each season is based on a different creepypasta. The first season was based on Chris Straub's story, Candle Cove. Season two ended in October, and if you enjoy creepypastas, if you enjoy spooky shows, give Channel Zero a try this year. I think you might really like it. All right, show number five, The Exorcist. In season two of The Exorcist, Father Thomas Ortega and a newly collarless Marcus Keene head out on the road away from Chicago searching for other evils to uproot and extinguish. Andrew Kim is a former child psychologist running a group home for five at-risk foster children on an island off the coast of Seattle. He finds that one of the children has been targeted by a powerful demonic force. When Tomas and Ortega discover this, they head west to use their skills and faith to help rid the child of the possession. At the Vatican, Father Bennett is doing his part to rid the world of evil by attempting to root out those that have turned against God. So there you go, the premise of The Exorcist Season 2. You can also, of course, watch the first season to catch up on um, Father Tomas and Marcus Keene, who are characters that feature in Season 2 as well. I saw the trailer for Season 2 bopping around on Twitter, and that was actually how I discovered this show. But I really like it so far. Season 2 is ongoing as of right now in October, and we're getting into the meat of the story. And I don't want to give anything away. But, you know, join me in watching The Exorcist. I think the show's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, show number 6, American Horror Story. This season is the seventh season. It's ongoing as of October 2017, and it is called Cult. American Horror Story is an anthology horror drama series, which um, is created and produced by Ryan Murphy. 
So the premise for season seven is that Allie and Ivy Mayfair are a married couple with a son named Oz who live in the fictitious city of Brookfield Heights, Michigan. Allie is suffering from phobias that include cholerophobia, hemophobia, and trypophobia, which only intensify after Donald Trump wins the 2016 election. Uh, yeah, us too, Allie. Lots of phobias increasing over here. Allie often speaks with her psychiatrist about these phobias and that they're getting worse. Meanwhile, an estranged and manipulative man named Kai forms a cult of individuals fed up with the political climate of the United States. Obviously, these two plotlines intersect to form the central horror of the show. Kai utilizes the fear inflicted upon the community by the cult's violent actions to strengthen his campaign for a seat on city council. American Horror Stories had a lot of hit and miss seasons, but this year I'm really enjoying Cult. It definitely deserves a spot on the Best of 2017 list. So um, if you're not already, start watching Cult and uh, let's get spooked together. Show number seven, Stand Against Evil. John C. McGinley, you guys, I love him. Loved him in Scrubs, loved him in everything he's ever done. I was so jazzed to see him in this show. John C. McGinley stars in this comedy horror series as a sour, judgmental sheriff named Stan Miller, who is forced to give up his job because of an angry outburst at his wife's funeral. Relinquishing authority doesn't come easily for Stan, especially after he finds out he must make way for Evie Barrett, the strong-willed new sheriff. However, when both realize something is not quite right in their sleepy New Hampshire town, which just so happens to be built on the site of a massive 17th century witch-burning, Stan and Evie form an unlikely alliance to bravely battle a plague of spine-chilling demons. Season 1 of Stan Against Evil ended last year, and Season 2 starts this year in November, but I'm still counting it because, as I said, things that are ongoing in 2017. So, give Season 1 a watch, get excited for Season 2, which is coming November 2017. Alright, number 8 on our Best of 2017 television shows is Z Nation. Season 4 is ongoing as of this month. The basic premise being, several years since a zombie virus swept across America, there's only one person who goes by just Murphy, known to have survived the infection. The world's last hope at creating a vaccine. The last functioning viral lab needs blood from him for its antibodies, but the facility is in California and the man is in New York. A ragtag group of strangers works to transport him to the West Coast, but his dark secret remains hidden, which could threaten everyone. Hammond and his second-in-command, Garnet, initially lead the group of the living, later replaced by Lieutenant Warrant and computer hacker Citizen Z, helps everyone navigate through the zombie-infested terrain. When the group meets a man in Colorado, he offers to take Murphy the rest of the way to California. When nuclear weapons are launched, people head into survival mode and become desperate to find a cure. Hi, it's future Hannah, in the edits. Hot damn, was that explanation garbled. I mean, I'm not going to change it, I just wanted to acknowledge it. Carry on, everybody. There's a lot of zombie shows out right now, Walking Dead being one of them, but because I was such a fan of the Walking Dead comic series, I found that it really didn't resonate with me as a TV show. There was a lot of changes that I just, you know, wasn't necessarily on board with. Anyway, Z Nation has really scratched that itch for me. I love this show, and I think that you guys will really enjoy it too. Show number nine. This one is probably going to be a new thing for a lot of you guys, and I hope it is because, you know, I would love to expose you to some new stuff to enjoy. The show is called Yami Shibai, Japanese Ghost Stories. Each episode of the show is animated to mimic the Kami Shibai method of storytelling, and the series is organized into a collection of shorts with each episode being only a few minutes in length. 
Each episode features a different tale based on myths and urban legends of Japanese origin. The current season, season 5, ended October 1st. This is another episodic show with great creepy stories and another show that explores the horror mythos of another, well, of a, of a different culture, of Japanese culture, which is always fun. A lot of Japanese horror is just really great and really effective and I always enjoy it. So check out Yami Shibai. I think you guys will really like it. And finally, television show number 10, Stranger Things. Everybody knew this was coming. Everyone knows how much I love Stranger Things. I know I said I was surprised that people consider it horror, but I'm going to go ahead and use that to my advantage so that I can add it onto this list. Season 2 premiered October 27th, 2017, and I promptly binge-watched the entire thing. The central idea of Stranger Things is this box description here. When a young boy disappears, his mother, a police chief, and his friends must confront terrifying forces in order to get him back. On his way home from his friend's house, Will Byers seems something terrifying. Nearby, a sinister secret lurks in the depths of a government lab. We're in season two of Stranger Things, so some of the stuff from that description has already been addressed, but there's a lot of new stuff to unpack in season two. You guys, I had so much fun watching this, and Steve... You know, I really didn't like you in the first season. I thought you were kind of a dud, maybe, but you've really come through for me. I love you, Steve. I love the show. I didn't think there was any way I could love Dustin more, but season two made me love Dustin more. Gaten Matarazzo is just a gem and needs to be protected at all costs. If you enjoyed movies like Super 8 or uh, Stand By Me, great ensemble pieces with good kid relationships and great friends that you might remember from your cul-de-sac as a kid. This show is really great for that. It's also got great spooky elements, lots of fun creature stuff, and, you know, addresses some important issues this season as well. So season two of Stranger Things absolutely earns its solid place on our best of 2017 list. All right, that brings us to our comics uh, section of our Best of 2017 show. This is going to include both graphic novels and serialized comics, but I do have a separate section for web comics, so this isn't going to feature any of those. I, I wanted to devote a whole list to web comics because I think they deserve wider exposure than they're getting. All right, so graphic novels and serial comics for this year, the best of... Number one, Harrow County. This is an ongoing series. It's written by Cullen Bunn and drawn by Tyler Crook. The basic premise from the back of the first book is Emmy always knew that the woods surrounding her home crawled with ghosts and monsters, but on the eve of her 18th birthday, she learns that she is connected to these creatures and to the land itself in a way she never imagined. Harrow County is just a really well done, interesting little series. I really enjoy the art. I really enjoy the story and just... Some of the characters are so unique and interesting. It's continued to keep my interest, and I really recommend you guys give it a read. It's out in trades right now. I'm That's the format that I'm buying them in. And the most recent one was released on... Edits, Hannah, get me this date. I'm here for you, past me. The most recent trade paperback of Harrow County is Harrow County Volume 6, Hedge Magic, which just came out October 24th, 2017. Comic number two, BPRD. BPRD, of course, stands for the Bureau for Paranormal Research and Defense. This is a series by Mike Mignola, Chris Golden, Tom Signoski, and Ryan Sook. It follows um, the agents of the BPRD and their, you know, various quests and things like that. It's actually been ongoing since 2002. 
The most recent volume is volume 15, Hell on Earth Cometh the Hour. The description from this book, which is the book that came out this year, is the BPRD struggles to keep the massive Ogdru Jihad and the dozens of monsters it loses every hour from destroying headquarters and the world. And desperate times lead Russian occult bureau director Nchaiko to ask a demon for help. This volume collects BPRD Hell on Earth numbers 143 through 147. So these are for the fans of Hellboy that really, I mean, wanted more related stories, wanted stories about Abe Sapien. Um, And that's why I started reading this. I really enjoyed the Abe Sapien character and was happy to have more stories about the BPRD and what they were doing on the day-to-day when the story wasn't centered around Hellboy. So if you haven't started reading BPRD yet, there's tons of stuff to catch up on to keep you entertained for weeks. Go ahead and pick it up at your local comic shop. Uh, comic number three is a graphic novel called My Favorite Thing is Monsters. This was written by Emile Ferris, and it came out in February 2017. From the back of the book, set against the tumultuous political backdrop of late 60s Chicago, My Favorite Thing is Monsters is the fictional graphic diary of 10-year-old Karen Reyes, filled with B-movie horror and pulp monster magazine iconography. Karen Reyes tries to solve the murder of her enigmatic upstairs neighbor Anka Silverberg, a Holocaust survivor, while the interconnected stories of those around her unfold. When Karen's investigation takes us back to Anka's life in Nazi Germany, the reader discovers how the personal, the political, the past, and the present converge. So the references to horror in this graphic novel were particularly enjoyable for me, along with the art. I think you guys will really like this story, too. It is a fun read, and the perspective of a 10-year-old of Karen is a really fun format. I think this is definitely worth picking up and reading this year. Comic number four is another ongoing series, uh, The October Faction. The October Faction is written by Steve Niles and drawn by Damian Worm. Trade number four came out in 2017 uh, in the month of July. So The October Faction's basic premise is the Allen family, a man named Frederick, his wife, and their two kids. As Frederick works to put his monster hunting days behind him, his two children insist on joining the family business. But ghosts from the past refuse to stay dead, and conspiring forces lurk in the shadows. And in the current issue, the Allen family has come face to face with a whole new threat. This one comes from the past, and it won't stop until the Allens are all dead. I really like the October faction I've been reading since the beginning, since it first came out. I can't remember which other comic book I had read about it in the back of, but that's how I had seen it initially, and I'm really glad that I picked it up. Comic book number five, Ghost Stories of an Antiquary, volume two. This one's kind of unique. This is a graphic novel adaptation of M.R. James stories, which just, when I saw volume one, immediately sucked me in, because who doesn't love M.R. James? I mean, who is a horror fan and doesn't love M.R. James? His stories have been captivating audiences for, like, a long while now. A lot of my British friends say that there's always um, M.R. James stories on around Christmas time, because the Brits are doing it right and still telling ghost stories around Christmas time. So, from the back of the book... Curl up by the fire and enter the sinister supernatural world of M.R. James, the master of the English ghost story. An influence on writers from H.P. Lovecraft to Stephen King, Montague Rhodes James created tales of understated horror that continue to transfix readers 80 years after his death. 
Ghost Stories of an Antiquary Volume 2 comprises graphic adaptations of four spine-chilling stories. Number 13, Count Magnus, A Whistle and I'll Come to You, My Lad, and The Treasure of Abbot Thomas. Filled with intrigue, suspense, and intellectual adventure, these enthralling tales of terror plunge readers into a world of creeping dread where rationality is challenged and the mundane collides with the supernatural. These stories have been adapted by Leah Moore and John Repian. These are great to see in visual form. I enjoyed reading these stories. I have the collections on my bookshelf, but it's really fun to see them come to life through someone else's vision. It's fun seeing the speech bubbles and the characters and the way that they're imagined by these adapters, and I really recommend that you not only pick up Ghost Stories of an Antiquary Volume 2, but that you get Volume 1. They're just a solid collection of really great graphic adaptations of really great ghost stories. My personal favorite is and will always be A Whistle and I'll Come to You, My Lad, but um, let me know what your favorite is if you guys end up picking this up. I really, really loved getting a hold of this one. Best of 2017 comic number six, Southern Cross. Hello, more sci-fi horror. I was so delighted to have discovered Southern Cross last year. Um, it is ongoing. Volume two became available in July of this year. It's written by Becky Cloonan with art by Andy Bellinger and Lee Lowridge. Southern Cross Tanker Flight 73 to Titan. Alex Braith is on board, retracing her sister's steps to the refinery moon, hoping to collect her remains and find some answers. The questions keep coming, though. How did her sister die? Where did her cabin mate disappear to? Who is that creep across the hall, and why does she always feel like she's being watched? Inspired by classic mysteries and weird fiction, Southern Cross is a crucible of creeping anxiety and fear as Alex struggles with the ghosts of her past on board a ship that holds secrets best kept buried. Guys, if you love sci-fi horror, you're going to love Southern Cross. Just go buy it immediately. It's great. You got to support good sci-fi horror, and I'm telling you that this is absolutely worth a read. Whew, I just realized that um, we're at the hour and 30 minute mark already. I know I'm going to edit some of this stuff out, but yeah, this is going to be a long episode, you guys. Maybe you split it into two parts over two days. I mean, it'll be November by then, but like, whatever. Great idea, past Hannah. Thanks, edits, Hannah. Kudos and backslaps all around. Back to the show. Comic number seven is a graphic novel, a standalone graphic novel called Dissolving Classroom by Junji Ito. If you are at all a horror manga fan, then Junji Ito is going to be a really familiar name to you. I've been reading these stories for years. I consumed them at an alarming rate during college. I was just really taken with Ito's storytelling and his form of horror. It's so unique, it's so interesting, it's so something you've probably never seen before. And Dissolving Classroom isn't any different. One thing I particularly like about Ito's story collections is that even though the stories can stand alone, they're usually linked by one common element. That is to say that the stories in his standalone graphic novels are linked by one common element. He also has longer series. But uh, in Dissolving Classroom, a pair of twisted siblings, Yuma, a young man obsessed with the devil, and Chizumi, the worst little sister in recorded history, cause all sorts of tragic and terrifying things to happen wherever they go. These scary short stories will shock you with a literal interpretation of the ills that plague modern society. The Dissolving Classroom became available in January of this year. I snapped it up, like, immediately, and I recommend that you guys do the same. I think you're really going to enjoy it. And if you've never read Junji Ito before, then this is going to open up just a great and totally new horrific world for you guys to immerse yourselves in. 
Comic number eight, House of Penance. A horrific take on the true story of the Winchester haunted house and one woman's mission to wash away the blood curse of the Winchester rifle from claiming her own life and soul. This is a tale about guilt, ghosts, and guns, of how fortune brings misfortune as a grim and determined woman oversees the construction of a house 24 hours a day for 20 years with the simple motto of keep busy building or get busy dying. For whatever reason, when I read the back of this book, it really reminded me of a Taylor Caldwell novel that I like a lot that um, my grandfather gave to me called Dynasty of Death. I'm not saying the stories are like all that similar except for the premise, but that's originally why I picked this one up. House of Penance was written by Peter J. Tomasi. The art was done by Ian Bertram and Dave Stewart. It became available in January of this year. It's just a really good, really freaky, moody little book, and I recommend that you pick it up. The color palette is really excellent. It does such a service to the tone of the story, and the art style is so memorable. I think you guys will really like this one. Comic number nine brings us back to another ongoing series called Revival. Revival is written by Tim Seeley with art by Mike Norton. It actually ended in February 17th of this year. I realize I just said ongoing series, but I meant that it was ongoing at the beginning of 2017. It has now concluded. For one day in rural central Wisconsin, the dead come back to life. Now it's up to Officer Dana Cypress to deal with the media scrutiny, religious zealots, and government quarantine that has come with them. In a town where the living have to learn to deal with those who are supposed to be dead, Officer Cypress must solve a brutal murder, and everyone, alive or undead, is a suspect. I got the first trade of Revival as a birthday present, and so glad to whichever friend I totally forget, I'm sorry. Oh, actually, I think Jason might have gotten me this as a birthday present, um, because I saw it, it was recommended for me on Amazon, so thanks Amazon, thanks Jason. Revival is a great little series with um, some unique twists on classic horror themes that I think readers will find super enjoyable. It's got great art, it's got great storytelling, and it's got great characters. Great gray characters, really. They're not good, they're not evil, they're real, and that's really fun to read. Finally, number 10, a little bit of a departure from the comics that I've been recommending, I guess, because we haven't really had any straight crime horror on this list so far, I don't think, is Nailbiter. The premise being, where do serial killers come from? And why has Buckaroo, Oregon given birth to 16 of the most vile serial killers in the world? NSA agent Nicholas Finch needs to solve that mystery in order to save his friend, and he'll have to team up with the infamous Edward Nailbiter Warren to do it. Nailbiter spanned 30 issues. It ended in March of 2017. Sneeze break. It was written by Joshua Williamson and Mike Henderson, who also did the art. Reader beware, Nailbiter is pretty damn violent. I mean, it's a comic about, uh, a city that spawns serial killers. It's, it's violent. And Nailbiter gets his <laughs> nickname, honestly. And if you find uh, graphic depictions of gore a little bit disturbing, this might not be for you. But I really enjoyed Nailbiter. And if you're not too squicked out by the concept, I think you will really enjoy it too. It's definitely earned its place on this list. All right, let's move on to web comics. The webcomics on this list, you may recognize a few of them from my Funny Bones episode about horror comedy, but this time around I've taken the descriptions from these comics websites, sort of allowing the creators in their own words to tell us what their comics are about. 
I'll also give a little bit of information about the things that these creators currently have going on, maybe Patreons or projects that you can back and um, ways that you can support great creators making great horror web comics. Comic number one, Not Drunk Enough by Tess Stone. A quick repair at a huge corporate lab during a late night shift should not have sent Logan into a hellish landscape fraught with monsters, but it looks like Lady Luck decided to give him the middle finger. Logan would like to give one back. Tess Stone's art style is just something I've admired for a long time, even from his older work. I've been following for a long, long time his previous comics, and they're all just phenomenal. The art style is really arresting, but the story for Not Drunk Enough really got me. It is truly creepy, truly unique, and the characters are all just so well done and intriguing, which I know is something Tess is known for, but I just can't state it enough. You can follow Tess on Twitter. He has a Patreon currently um, to support Not Drunk Enough and his ability to keep on making that comic so that we can enjoy it. I think you guys will really like this one. Comic number two, The Last Halloween. The Last Halloween is the story of Mona and her unusual friends who must work together to defend humanity from countless horrific monstrosities. Perhaps they will succeed, and humanity will prevail as it always has. Or perhaps this will be The Last Halloween. The Last Halloween is drawn by Abby Howard. You may remember The Last Halloween from Strip Search, which was a sort of like webcomic game show to win funding for your project. The Last Halloween didn't win, but thank goodness it's still being made because this comic is something that I've thoroughly enjoyed for a long, long time. I've got the great hardcover from the Volume 1 Kickstarter is on my horror bookshelf. I really enjoy this series. It's got a lot of fun characters. Heck, I've got magnets on my fridge of some of the characters. Abby's done a lot of other great stuff. She's got a cool dinosaur book that's out right now. She draws Junior Scientist Power Hour, and she also has a Patreon that you guys can support in order to keep the last Halloween going. Comic number three, Stand Still, Stay Silent. It's been 90 years since the end of the old world. Most of the surviving population of the known world live in Iceland, the largest safe area in existence. While the safe settlements in the other Nordic countries, Norway, Sweden, Denmark, and Finland, are small and scarce. Countless mysterious and unspoken dangers lurk outside the safe areas, the silent world, and hunters, mages, and cleansers will spend their lives defending the settlements against the terrifying beings. Because of a great fear towards everything in the silent world, no official attempts to explore the ruins of the old have been made, and most of the information about it has been turned into ancient lore known by few. Sorry guys, more sneezing. But now at last, it is time to send out a research crew into the great unknown. A poorly funded and terribly unqualified crew, but a crew nonetheless. Stand Still, Stay Silent is written and drawn by Minna Sundberg, who also did A Red Tail's Dream, another webcomic that I really, really liked. The art style is great, really enjoyable characters, and a lot of very moving storylines. Plus, you get a lot of cool history about the silent world and little sort of meta pages about different occupations that exist now and how the world has changed. I really enjoy the chapter intermissions with information about how this new and altered post-apocalyptic world works and what sorts of cultures still persist and how those function now. Min has got a lot going on as well. She is also Humming Fluff, which is uh, developing a game based on Stand Still, Stay Silent called City of Hunger. So you can follow her on Twitter and check out her other projects and hopefully support Stand Still, Stay Silent so that this great horror webcomic keeps getting drawn. 
Webcomic number four on our best of 2017 list is a recent discovery of mine called No End. I've probably been reading this for about a month now, but it's been going on longer than that. I totally blew through it as soon as I discovered it. I loved it so much. No End is a webcomic about a group of people struggling to survive in a post-apocalyptic country ravaged by an unyielding winter and hordes of undead. Living amid a world of horror doesn't erase the cast's day-to-day worries about identity, family, friendship, and betrayal as they seek people they can trust, as well as a legendary place called Haven, rumored to be free of the cold and horror. Just as none of them are sure that it even exists, they aren't sure what their place in the world is, but each step forward leads toward who they are, who they should become, and where they belong. If that description wasn't enough to tell you that the characters are just the best feature of this comic, then go read it, because it's absolutely true. Apart from the great horror elements of this comic, I was really, really impressed by how the characters were sculpted and created, and how much you really do come to love them and want them to succeed, and to learn more about their lives and who they are. No End is done by Early and Chromie. They have a Patreon, and... I have to say, just reading this comic and kind of looking into the comments section, even though I'm not one of those people who's leaving comments, these creators are especially friendly and really happy to provide world-building information, and I think that's a great thing to have in a webcomic community. So go out and support No End, uh, give it a read, and if you want to, go ahead and pledge on Patreon. I think this comic is going really great places. I'm excited for a book release. I'll definitely be buying that. Webcomic number five, Split Lip. Split Lip is an anthology of short horror comics written by Sam Costello and drawn by artists from around the world. All stories are self-contained, so you can start reading anywhere. Fans of shows like The Twilight Zone and Weird Fiction will enjoy these stories, but beware, keeping the lights on can't keep you safe from dangerous ideas. One of the things I appreciate about Split Lip is that it's episodic. I don't feel like if I stop at one particular story, I need to keep on binge reading, which I so often do with webcomics, and that keeps me up late at night and makes me tired at work the next day. The various artists also really bring a lot to this story. It's fun to see the different art styles, and it's been a way for me to also just discover new artists to follow and great creators to keep an eye on. So if you want to support Split Lip, head to their website, There's a lot of comics available for purchase, and you can follow Sam on Twitter. Let's keep this one going. I really enjoy Split Lip and would like to see it continue to thrive. Comic number six you guys are going to remember from Funny Bones, which was episode three of Undead Airlock. A Ghost Story. A Ghost Story is drawn by B. It follows two unlicensed and semi-illegal paranormal exterminators who work as ghost hunters for hire in a world where ghosts are pest- neighbors, and sometimes dangerous menaces to society. Using unconventional methods and their connections to various shady dealers of occult items, the duo meet new friends, ruin everything for everyone, and are usually the driving force behind citywide panic. You may have noticed from the descriptions that B is extremely funny. This is one of the things I enjoy most about A Ghost Story. The humor in this series in particular is just great. It really, I mean, it really just tickles my funny bone. I don't think that's just me either. I think a lot of people would say that. Bee's also really funny on her social media. I enjoy her Fallout posts on her Tumblr and all sorts of other things. You can support Bee continuing to make a ghost story by following her on Twitter, checking out her Patreon, and telling other people about a ghost story. It's a great comic, and it's definitely worth a read. Webcomic number seven, Lies Within. Lies Within is drawn by Lacey, who I think's last name is Brandon, but I'm not sure, so don't quote me on that. Here again, my Wendigo obsession is showing, but 
that hasn't necessarily been made explicitly clear in the comics, so this one's standing on its own merits. It's not just because there's a Wendigo in it. Lies Within follows the story of Lysander Furok. I'm probably not pronouncing that right. A 28-year-old freeloader whose life changes drastically after getting possessed by a Wendigo spirit. With the help of his best friend and neighbor, Simon Isidore, Lysander learns to navigate the tumultuous world of supernatural beings and the war they're fighting against a growing vampire threat. This is still a newish comic. Um, it hasn't progressed extremely far in the first chapter yet, but I am already blown away by the art quality, by the story quality, and just so eager to learn more about this world and these characters. Especially interesting to me so far about the comics that the only color so far is red. It makes it really visually stunning, and I really enjoy the character designs. I think they're great. And you should definitely go check out Lies Within. You can follow Lacey on Twitter. You can check her out on Patreon. I'm excited to see where this Wendigo goodness goes. Number eight, wildlife. First, it was meeting the ghost of a 1940s mathematician in the upstairs hallway. Then it was finding a teenage werewolf in the bathtub. Now Oscar doesn't know what will show up next. Maybe that's okay, as long as nothing eats him. Wildlife is a supernatural adventure horror series set in a small town in rural Oklahoma. It focuses on stories about creatures from Native American mythology, as witnessed and documented by a journalist from Chicago, Illinois. Yep, the main character of the series is named Oscar Wilde, and uh, I couldn't be happier about the amount of puns that happen in the comments section of this story. I'm such a sucker for puns. Wildlife is written and drawn by Pascal LaPasse. She has created some really great characters, some great storylines. She's another one of those creators, too, who's really funny and interactive. If that's something you enjoy in a webcomic community, you can see her a lot in the comments section of her own story. And she's also got a really enjoyable Twitter feed uh, with a very cute dog. If you'd like to support Wildlife, you can check out Twitter, the Wildlife site, and her Patreon, which will all be uh, linked up following the show. Comic number nine. Brainchild. Brainchild is a story about paranormal phenomena, bad first impressions, wide-scale conspiracies, a whole bunch of mutants, and everything else your senior year of college can possibly throw at you. It is written and drawn by Suzanne Geary and updates on Sundays. So yeah, Brainchild. I don't remember how I discovered this comic, but I did, and then I read a few pages of it, I lost track of it for a while, and I was really upset, and then I found it again, and then I was really happy. The creator is a little bit elusive. I don't think I could find a Twitter for her. I don't see a Patreon, but she does link to her blog, etc. on her, um, on the website for Brainchild, which I will, again, be linking after the show goes live. So go check out Suzanne, go check out Brainchild, and enjoy this creepy story as it unfolds. It's got some really cool monsters in it that I think you guys will totally dig. Okay. Uh, webcomic number 10. I totally shoehorned in here. I made it fit my premise because I absolutely need to just tell people about this artist. Number 10 is not really a serialized webcomic, but a series of comics that are posted online by a particular artist, and that artist is Emily Carroll. Emily is a Canadian comics author from London, Ontario. She started making short webcomics in 2010 and gained recognition with the horror comic His Face All Red. Since then, Emily has created comics for various anthologies, and she has won several awards, including the Eisner and the Ignatz, which are both big deal awards in the webcomics community. The reason that I say I sort of shoehorned this one in here is there was a short Fallout comic that she posted in 2017. It wasn't one of her um, longer horror comics, but I'm still going to count it, and I'm still going to say that you guys should all go check out her website. 
Two of my favorite stories that Emily has put out in the last couple of years are The Hole the Fox Did Make and Margot's Room. Emily does great webcomics. The format of being able to click in certain areas or move a cursor around in particular ways has really made these stories neat to read online. But she also has a book called Into the Woods that collects stories that do not appear online that you guys should also check out so that you can support her work. All right, guys, we just hit the two hour mark. This is the longest show I've officially ever done. So I think I'm going to try to speed it up for the podcast section, maybe add a little less of me telling you, ooh, this is great, and just kind of tell you the podcast, give you its description, and just know that because it's on the list, I'm recommending it to you. Oh, sweet, naive past Hannah. You're not going to post this whole two hour plus long podcast in one go. Ain't nobody got time to listen to that. Podcast number one, The No Sleep Podcast. The No Sleep Podcast is a multi-award anthology series of original horror stories with rich atmospheric music to enhance the frightening tales, drawn from submissions and the No Sleep subreddit. So yeah, The No Sleep Podcast is one of my personal favorites. I've been listening to it for a long time. I have dreams of eventually having a a story on The No Sleep Podcast, one that I've written, not one that I'm reading out loud to you guys. So uh, hopefully that happens in the future. Hey guys at No Sleep, I think you're great. Podcast number two, Welcome to Night Vale. Welcome to Night Vale is a twice-monthly community update for the small desert town of Night Vale, where every conspiracy theory is true. Turn on your radio and hide. So this one is a narrative podcast. It's It's an ongoing story, and I think you guys will find it really interesting. It's got a lot of horror elements, but a lot of other really charming elements romance and comedy and all of that good stuff. Definitely worth a listen. Podcast number three, Tannis, another narrative um, sort of podcast. Tannis is a bi-weekly podcast from the creators of Pacific Northwest Stories and hosted by Nick Silver. Tannis is a serialized docudrama about a fascinating and surprising mystery, the myth of Tannis. Tannis is an exploration of the nature of truth, conspiracy, and information. Tannis is what happens when the lines of science and fiction start to blur. Podcast number four. I'm back from making more tea. This is Horror. The This is Horror podcast is a weekly show for readers, writers, and creators hosted by Michael David Wilson and Bob Pastorella. They interview writers, artists, publishers, editors, and creatives every week and have interviewed over 100 industry creators so far. Odds are, if you're looking for a specific horror creator or writer or whatever, that these guys might have an interview with them, and that's really fun and interesting to do, to see who they've talked to and things that you might want to learn from a particular creator. There you go. They're available for listening on the This Is Horror podcast. Podcast number five is enjoying a lot of popularity right now. It's been recently turned into a TV show. True story, my parents actually tried to tell me about it like I wasn't going to know about it, that they (laughs) were going to inform me of a horror thing that I didn't know about. Jokes on them. I have been a lore listener for a long time. Lore is a bi-weekly podcast about the dark historical tales that fuel our modern superstitions. Each episode explores the world of mysterious creatures, tragic events, and unusual places, because sometimes the truth is more frightening than fiction. The reason I enjoy lore so much is that it's great to hear about the foundations from which horror comes, the sort of historical and mythological things that make their way into horror stories and media. It's it's really informative and interesting to listen to. I cut some very gross coughing there for you guys. I'm not crying. 
Anyway. Uh, podcast number six on the best of 2017 list, Killer POV. This one's probably going to be familiar to anybody who follows Fangoria uh, as far as horror fans are concerned. Join Fangoria's Rebecca McKendry, Fearnet's Rob G, and Inside Horror's Elric Kane as they discuss all things horror and go in-depth on all the latest horror movies and horror news. Number seven, The Black Tapes. The Black Tapes is a weekly podcast from the creators of Pacific Northwest Stories and is hosted by Alex Reagan. The Black Tapes podcast is a serialized docudrama about one journalist's search for truth, her subject's mysterious past, and the literal and figurative ghosts that haunt them both. Do you believe? In case you guys haven't gathered, the creators of Pacific Northwest Stories do great stuff. Um, I really enjoy their narrative podcasts. They're really fun to listen to. They're spooky. They're well-written. They're well-acted. And they're definitely worth your time. Number eight on our podcast list, Honey Radio. I know the name doesn't sound like it would actually be a horror podcast, but it is. The Horror Honeys are a collection of strong-minded, badass women with foul mouths who are in love with all things horror. They write, review, live-tweet, interview, podcast, rant, and rave about everything they love and hate about the horror genre. What I especially appreciate about this show, apart from having more women in horror media in general, is that they have specialists on lots of different topics. There's like the sci-fi horror honey, the supernatural horror honey, etc., people who really focus on a particular topic and have a lot of knowledge therein. Rather than jumping around from subject to subject and just doing a furious amount of research like yours truly. So yeah, go ahead and give Honey Radio a listen. You can also follow all of the honeys on Twitter and check out their website. Podcast number nine, Terror Transmission. Terror Transmission is a monthly movie commentary podcast dedicated to classic horror from the silent era up to the late 1980s. Hosted by Jason Anderson and Matt G. Paradise, both hosts proudly assert their enthusiasm for the show and their disdain for many others in the genre by their tagline, the greatest horror commentary podcast ever. Um, apart from the idea that I, as a horror podcaster, don't think we should be necessarily crapping on our other horror podcasters, maybe I'm just reading that description wrong, but, uh, me no likey the not be nicey. Nonetheless, Jason and Matt have a great show. I really enjoy their attention to the particular type of horror movies they pay attention to, classic horror. It's always fun to learn more about that, especially since I feel like I'm a person who maybe hasn't had as much exposure to some of those classic horror movies because I didn't grow up in a household that really liked a lot of horror movies. It's nice to hear about things that I should watch and stuff that I should give a chance to. And finally, podcast number 10. This is a new one for me and a new one in general, but definitely something I think you guys should check out. It seems really promising. Sundown Undead. Blackstone Pharmaceuticals has developed a drug capable of reviving the dead. A conspiracy to destroy their rival drug company and murder their CEO leads to the quarantine of a small hotel portrayed to the public as an act of terrorism. Outside the hotel, the mystery unravels as some seek out the truth. Inside the hotel, the guests fight for survival as the dead return to life with an appetite for flesh. Who will survive? So Sundown Undead is an audio drama. It's one of those narrative podcasts with a story and voice actors, um, all of whom are, of course, incredibly talented. Great writer, great story. 
I just recently found out about them and have really enjoyed listening so far. Again, it's a newish podcast, so we we haven't heard much of the story, but I'm excited to find out what's going on with Sundown Undead. Chapter one just went up October 18th. It's called The Setup. Go ahead and download and listen, rate, review, subscribe, and let's help these guys be successful so we get to hear the end of this story. And one last and sort of unconventional thing to wrap up our best of 2017 horror list. I have compiled a list of, quote, good horror shit I did this year. Sorry, parents. Alternatively called the good stuff. Thing number one, I threw a Halloween party. This was not strictly a horror deal, I know, but um, I turned my house into the Hogwarts castle and I think everybody had a really good time. Each of the rooms had, like, a theme. My living room was the Great Hall. I hung a bunch of styrofoam pumpkins from the ceiling. Our bathroom was the Chamber of Secrets. We all had a great time. There was a house cup challenge, and I suspect that maybe this cold came from taking a shot out of the house cup after several other people had done so, but I was in such a Ravenclaw spirit. That's right, the Ravenclaws won the house cup. Um, that I just couldn't help myself, and so perhaps that's why I'm now sitting here uh, drinking tea, nursing a fever, and regretting life. Totally worth it. Uh, Number two, I replayed the Dead Space trilogy this year. I know, I know, I never shut up about Dead Space, but it's such an affectionate, nostalgic experience for me. I know I talk about it a lot, but I really, truly enjoy it so much. The first time I played it was actually with my Jason, and um, it, it really means a lot to me. It's one of, it's my favorite horror video game franchise for sure. Number three, I made an effort to share more horror with my family, um, doing things that were maybe not as <laughs> scary as I might be used to, but stuff that they enjoyed along with me. I watched The Babadook with my mom this year. That was actually her suggestion. And it was uh, really nice to be invited to her house to enjoy some horror together because she knows that's something I like. I'm really close with my family and that kind of stuff really means a lot to me. I saw Blair Witch and The Cure for Wellness with my two brothers. That was a lot of fun too. We have a great time going to the dollar store beforehand and getting a bunch of candy to stuff in my purse before we go to the movies together. Those were the two horror movies we saw together this year, but I also go with them to uh, all the Marvel movies that come out and all that good stuff. And then my whole family watched Get Out together. I think they might be coming around to this horror thing as long as it's not like that Sam Raimi 1980s stuff. They seem to do really well, but for whatever reason, my dad was traumatized by the Evil Dead. I don't know if he'll ever get over that. Number four, I read Revival by Stephen King. I read a ton of great books this year. I read a ton of great books every year. I mean, I have an English degree. I've always loved reading. This is just something I do. But of course, not all of them were published in 2017, so I couldn't mention them in this list. Revival was one of those books. I actually bought it on in the airport, which I don't normally do. I normally have a book with me, but this time around, I guess I had forgotten it. And so I picked it up and read it on the plane and just really, really was taken with it. It's a Stephen King novel. And the last two chapters especially were just really great and effective for me. I really enjoyed Revival and um, have since gone and gotten the uh, nice glossy hardcover copy of it to replace my airport copy. Then it has a place of honor on my shelf. I really like that book. Number five, again, not strictly a horror thing, but something that incorporated horror elements that I really enjoyed. I went to Heroes Con in Charlotte, North Carolina. I actually did a Gravity Falls group cosplay. 
but I bought some excellent horror books. One was a graphic novel with uh, that was written by Peter Straub, who does a lot of great horror novels and who is a writer that I've enjoyed for a long time. Saw lots of great art and met some great artists. Um, actually, Abby Howard was at Heroes Con this year. She signed my copy of The Last Halloween. I'm sure I was uh, terribly awkward. <laughs> but uh, go to cons, guys. It's really fun. Everyone is super nice and welcoming. I had such a fun time, and I don't know why I haven't been to more cons. They, they really are an experience. Number six, I went on a local ghost tour. I guess there's not a ton to say about that, except that it was like a really fun thing to do to learn the the history of the city I live in and some of the more famous ghosts that supposedly occupy it. That was really cool. Number seven, I worked on some of my own horror fiction. I, I am a writer. I really enjoy doing that. Sometimes I get paid for it, but, you know, not for any of the fun personal stuff that I really enjoy. And it's always good to focus more attention on that stuff. It was a New Year's resolution of mine last year to plot out and um, try to finish a particular idea of mine, and I'm making great progress on it. I'm almost done, and hope to have that polished up by the end of the year. Follow your dreams, kids. Keep doing that stuff, even if you don't get paid for it. It's really important that if you're a writer, just to keep writing. Number eight, good horror stuff that I did. Um, I helped out with a film festival here in North Carolina, and the spooky segment was actually hosted in a haunted jail in the town. I ended up doing it with a younger friend of mine named Riley. She is um, starting high school this year. She and I went exploring in the old jail while some of the films were playing and all of the patrons were inside and we had some free time. It was a spooky good time, kind of bopping around this old supposedly haunted jail in this historic town and we had a great time. Hi, Riley! Let's see. Good horror stuff number nine. Uh, I've made vague references to this, but I turned my guest room into a horror library. It now has bookshelves alphabetized by author of all of my horror stuff that I've collected over the years. It's nice to have that all in one place. It's also got like my collection of spooky little figurines or actual skulls and things like that adorned all over the bookshelf. And I really enjoy going in there or sitting on the bed and reading some of my spooky stuff. It really makes me happy. And finally, number 10, I bit the bullet. I I dove right in. I finally got brave enough to create this podcast. This is something I've been wanting to do for a really long time. Just something that I wanted to do for me to be able to turn my love of horror outward and share it with somebody, even if it's a small audience, even if it's, you know, not that many people. It means a lot to me to be able to take this stuff that I really love that brings me a lot of joy and share it with other people and, you know, be able to take my own personal knowledge and and give it to other people so that maybe they'll enjoy something new. And you guys have been so nice to me. I have been completely overwhelmed by the kindness of people who have reached out by email, who have got up with me on Twitter, the interactions that I've had with total strangers, reading the reviews on iTunes. It's just been really amazing and really humbling to see and just restored a lot of my faith in humanity and just continue to confirm that horror fans are just really great, accepting, lovely, wonderful people. And I'm so glad to be a part of this community. This is a passion project. And I mean, I didn't want to go to work today, but I knew I wanted to make sure and do this podcast. I do it because I love it. And it's it's been really great to be able to have this outlet. I really appreciate it. 
Oh my gosh, you guys, I'm just getting so emotional about that. Thank you again for supporting Undead Airlock, for listening, for everything that you guys do to make this podcast great. I couldn't do it without you. And that's the end of another episode. Remember, I want this to be the best podcast it can possibly be, and I only do that with your help. Get in touch with me and let me know what you want to hear from me. You can reach me by email at hannahselector, that's H-A-N-N-A-H-S-E-L-E-C-T-O-R at gmail.com or on Twitter at hannahselector. Check out the show on all the podcast platforms and don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. It helps me out and it helps other listeners find their way to Undead Airlock. Again, a big thank you to everyone who has reached out so far, who's rated, who's reviewed, who's subscribed, who's interacted with me on Twitter. All the great work that was mentioned in today's podcast is going to be available on my Twitter this week in the form of our mentioned recommended recap. I'm also going to be sure that you get a hold of the websites and Twitter handles for some of the creators that were mentioned. If you have any questions about anything that was mentioned in today's show, hit me up with a message. I'll be sure and get back to you as fast as I can. This is something that means a lot to me, and I want you guys to enjoy it too. Past shows recaps are also available on Twitter. As the end approaches, it is time again for our Monster Masher sign-off, a set of lines from a piece of horror media that let you know how you can defeat the evil and get out of there alive. Don't forget, if you recognize the lines in our sign-off, hit me up on Twitter and let me know you figured it out. Or if you have a suggestion for our Monster Masher sign-up, send it my way and maybe we'll incorporate it into the show. I need the rules. What kills these things apart from direct sunlight? The brainstem must be destroyed or severed from the spinal cord. So, beheading or rebar bashing. Until next time, everyone.